Vige. Goons. Touch of all, Joe! It's only game. Hello and welcome everyone to the show that gets people talking about something else. This is Big Shiny Goons, it's episode 12. I'm your host Thomas and with me today is the host of Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast, and the writer of the Vlad Religion newsletter, Drew Fair Services here. Drew, how's it going, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to, uh, to talk about, as you said, something else. Yeah, exactly. Just shift it off shift off the path that we're kind of stuck into um but before then i'll i do want to kind of touch on the blue jays and i'm sorry to drag you back into what you talk about kind of probably on a daily occurrence um but what has kind of been the expectation going into this season like even maybe before like has it changed now recently a couple weeks into it i think that you would not have been crazy for a not even hoping, but expecting the Blue Jays to be like a playoff team this year. That's that's where I was. The Blue Jays backed into the playoffs in 2020. They kind of took advantage of, the, of a new expanded playoff um, uh, format. And even though they were they were okay, I guess you know they won more games than they lost, which in baseball is kind of like no mean feat. But there were the expectation was that they would be better than that this year. They made a very significant addition, right? They spent $150 million on George Springer. Everybody was a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. They felt, okay, they'll be held. This guy will be healthy. That guy will be healthy. These guys will be again, that much closer to the big leagues if they hadn't been there already. So I don't think it's unfair to say the blue, there should be expectations that the blue Jays get close to, or are contending for the playoffs this year. Um, and then so far this season, they've, they, again, they're pretty much just like last year. They've won more games than they've lost, but they look a little rough at times. Uh, they have gone through some really rough spots, but then also uh, they still looked great at times. And and again, this is a team that has not yet put its actual kind of quote-unquote opening day roster on the field. They've been absolutely besieged by injuries, uh, uh, beset by injuries, whatever. They got a lot of people <laughs> are hurt, which is not uncommon yeah. in baseball But this year. But um they're just they're kind of middling right now you know it's it's still early in the season and there's been a lot of good things a lot of positives but also uh you know a lot of kind of worry spots and players that the team and the fans kind of expected to get a little bit better uh haven't quite done it yet right and like i keep on thinking back to the like heralded 2015 it was like that season was like the first couple months was like nothing really to write home about right like it was a little bit like okay, this team's doing something, but it wasn't like, oh, this is going to be a team that blows out of the water that is going to actually win the division. So it's just like kind of the, it's still early kind of thing right now, right? Right, right. That team that team had some really strong um, indicators of quality. Mm. You know, I think it was early in the, in the season, they won on like an 11 game winning streak, which is just sort of one of right. those things in baseball that if you win 10 games in a row, like bad teams don't do that. You just, it's just one of those things that, that, oh, okay, a team that wins 10 games in a row in baseball, like that is a significant mark of quality. And the Blue Jays did that. And they were they had only won, you know, I think they were only one or two games over 500 around the trade deadline. But they had scored way more runs than their opponents. It was, mm-hmm. they just, all, everything was there. They just needed a couple pieces to kind of unlock it. And then they did at the trade deadline. And then, as you said, you know, they were kind of middling and just kind of, it looked, they looked the part, but they weren't quite there yet. And then the second half of that season, obviously they took off. 
I don't know if the Blue Jays this year's Blue Jays are quite at that point yet. Yeah, um, yeah. mostly mostly just because we haven't even seen what that team what they look like as a full squad. You know, George Springer hasn't played a, hasn't played an inning in the outfield. Um, you know, Nate Pearson has pitched once. Um, you know, the uh, Hinjin Ryu has been hurt. So there are lots of pieces that are that are that are not quite. Um, in place for the team to fire on all cylinders. So once once you get to that point, hopefully, assuming that the, that the Blue Jays do, then you can start to make a better a better assessment of where they are and if they're ready to make that leap or take that next step. Yeah, and have you changed kind of your expectations at all, like from what you thought before opening day, kind of to what now? Like, oh, is it kind of taken a bath? Like this pitching staff might be a little worse than you thought, or no? I don't think I have actually. I think that. Mm. The biggest one is the kind of progression of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who has, yeah. who, who, you know, much has been talked about. And if you follow the Blue Jays, you follow baseball, you've heard his story where he lost 42 pounds over the winter and was working out twice a day and like really committed himself to his, his, his fitness. And it's just really unlocked him as a, as a baseball player, where even when he was kind of struggling and was only okay the last season and the season in his rookie season in 2019. I get sort of like that 2015 team, all the pieces were there and they just hadn't really fully connected yet. And the, this fitness seems to be the thing that's really allowed him to take full advantage of all of his incredible skills. So that's a huge step forward. You know, got players like Bo Bichette uh, look good. They look like the player that we thought they were. There might still be some growth, um, uh, but but he's 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 a player who's who's really swinging a good bat. You know, some of the the additions like Marcus um, Marcus Simeon's been great. The bullpen has looked really good because the Blue Jays have got a really good track record of kind of cobbling together pieces that they've seemingly seemingly find not maybe not off the scrap heap but sort of beside the scrap heap. Um, but they've done well mm-hmm. to to get a, really build a really strong uh, relief core. But there are still a lot of question marks. But again, when you've only got what, how many games did George Springer play? Three, four. Um, you know, yeah. he, he had he had two home runs in one game, and then he got limped off the field, and they right. haven't seen him since. So uh, there are there there. I don't think that my my uh, that my expectations of the team have changed. I think that that there have been a lot of uh, really interesting parts and really interesting guys step forward, and and I think that they're still going to be a dangerous team come the end of the season. Yeah, and it'd be different if like Springer was playing all this time, and then Danny Jansen was also not hitting like whatever he's hitting, like just come incredibly like. Okay, there has to be some regression to the mean kind of here thing, but uh, yeah, it's there's still obviously time. Like, there's so much, so many more games to play. Like you said, um, has it been kind of weird, like focusing on a team during this whole thing? Like, I know baseball is different from basketball or hockey or anything like that. With like, it's just the idea of this new season is the first full season kind of under COVID. Um, but is it just a different like kind of feeling? Or just kind of paying attention in this late stage kind of. It felt a little. Attitude. It felt a little bit weird um, last year when they started playing right. again, and and they started the season up in kind of towards the end of uh, July. So they did sort of like a mid-season camp to get everybody back in shape, and they played a couple of exhibition games. And that at that point, it felt really odd. It, you know, even though it was the summertime, so the case count was low here. Um, in some places in the U.S., it looked uh, really grim, you know, because Arizona, Florida are places where they, they were talks about doing a bubble system like they've done and did in the NBA and in hockey. Um, but it was like Arizona and Florida were the only two kind of viable candidates. And then they were, the case counts were through the roof there because that, those are the places that it's so hot that everybody was inside anyway. So 
their flu season, their kind of indoor when COVID, we've now learned, come to know when COVID spreads was the summer. So even though here in, in Canada, uh, it looked a little bit better down there, it was like crazy. The numbers were out of, uh, out of control. So this, for that first season took some getting used to playing in front of them, you know, in front of no fans, took some getting used to uh, playing, you know, the first couple of rounds of the playoffs, they played in a neutral site, which was really odd. Well, I guess the I guess the whole thing they did in the, sorry they did in the neutral in the neutral site which again mm-hmm. was a little bit odd but it's we've come so far in terms of like socialization and 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 living through this that now the Blue Jays you know when you and I are speaking now this past weekend the weekend prior the Blue Jays were in Houston where in Texas they've kind of done away with all of the restrictions so the stadium was like right. three quarters full there were twenty six or twenty seven thousand people there in Houston and that was odd it's even though. You know, in, maybe not in Houston, but in other places, you know, a, a huge, uh, not a, not all of the of the people there, but vast numbers of people are vaccinated. So it's like that's what that's what we're sh- trying to get to. But at the same time, there's a little bit of a revulsion, like, oh my god, like what are they doing? Why are they sitting so close? Don't they know? And then they show mm-hmm. at one point uh, uh, in one of the games, it might have been Sunday. They showed a, there was, you know, when you watch the Blue Jays feed the the Blue Jays cameras, they'll always go and find Blue Jays fans in the stands. So there they are in Houston, and it's full of people, and they've all got their Astro shirts and those beautiful like um, like tequila sunrise shirts, and right. and then there's a row of Blue Jays fans, and they've all got Blue Jays gear, and they've all got masks on, and they just like stuck out like sore thumbs. I'm like, oh, they're the, oh, the Canadians; they'll never <laughs> let go of those damn masks. They're wearing them forever. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We'll we'll never uh, we'll never not display our modesty with that. Uh, yeah, has there been? I guess just in baseball as a whole, like with the MLB, like. I haven't, I've been trying to pay attention, but it's like just been a lot hard with like everything going on at once. Mm -hmm. Um, Has there been any like insane takes that have come out early this season of just like you're scrolling on your timeline and you're like, what, what the hell is that? Like just from the first like 20 or so games, just like some analyst decides to like take one weird thing and just stretch it to like beyond belief. Well, I'll say this. Baseball, baseball season is really long, right? They'll play 162 right. games. And there's an old, there's a saying in baseball that like every team in baseball is going to lose 60 games and they're going to win 60 games. The best team is going to lose 60 and win 60. The worst team is going to lose 60 and win 60. It's what happens in the middle that defines the season. What happens in those intervening 40 games. So it's hard to win a hundred games, right? It doesn't happen very often. It's happened a bit more as the league has kind of got more polarized and more folks are looking to tank. But I watched the Dodgers for the first like two weeks of the season. I was like, there's no way that team loses loses or wins more less than 110 games. They were just an mm-hmm. unkillable juggernaut. I was like, that that's as good a team as I've ever seen in my life. Right. I could probably name start naming teams of like the 20, you know, the 2018 Red Sox were were really good when they obviously had a little right. bit of help. But like, you know, you can go back and think like that team was just insanely good. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Dodgers looked like. And then the Dodgers basically didn't win a game. For a month, it's, it felt like they were like four and twenty, four and eighteen in like a, some twenty-two games span. They're they're behind the Giants in the in the in the National League West. So that my take the Dodger, the Dodgers are going to win one hundred and ten games minimum. That's the insane take. That was me overreacting to a to a, a tiny sample at the beginning of the season when you know right. five say admittedly good hitters were all hitting 
insanely well. And then they nobody can get a hit off Trevor Bauer. No one can get a hit off Walker Bueller. No one can get a hit off Clayton Kershaw. Dustin May is like their fifth starter to be everybody else's opening day starter. But then all of a sudden it's like, you know, guys give up runs. They've stopped being able to hit. Dustin May's hurt. He's going to have Tommy John. He's going to be out for a year and a half. So, you know, even a team like the Dodgers that are as well-built as you could ever hope a, a professional baseball team to be, they're the model that the Blue Jays and everybody else should be trying to replicate. And now here they are scuffling and their fans are losing their minds and everybody's looking at each other like, what the hell, what's going on? Trevor Bauer is complaining about the team not winning because he's like, this, we should be better than this. So, you know, that my insane take was that to assume, assume that, yeah, sure, they won the World Series last year and sure they're a great team, mm-hmm. but to win 110 games is impossible. <laughs> so right. so that, that me, I was the guy with the bad take that I hope <laughs> no one's going to do any, there'll be no cold takes exposed come Just... come August when they're when they're 500 again. Yeah, it's all right. It's just, you know, it's a weird season when this Red Sox team is doing as well as it is. Um, anyways, let's move on to the first segment. Uh, sure. Move on to why you're here. Uh, Drew, could you tell the audience uh, what you're checking out recently? So it's been a little bit weird, obviously, because, you know, kind of new releases have trickled down to... Uh, or have kind of slowed down to a, to a trickle, I would say. There's not as many records coming out, but mm. I definitely try to still find new stuff, right, when it comes out. I'm always interested in, like, in, in, in trying to stay abreast of what's going on. I would say the thing that I'm kind of most excited about now and in the next, like, couple months in terms of new releases, uh, the new Fiddlehead record, um, they've been, mm-hmm. excuse me, sort of, like, releasing songs uh, bit by bit from that Fiddlehead record. And the songs all sound really, really good. Um, Fiddlehead is a is is a really good band. Um, what's his name? The Irish guy, who's the who's the singer for from from Fiddlehead. Of course, he was the singer for um, have, for Have Heart, Heart right? Yeah, as well. So Fiddlehead started started as like a kind of almost like a post rock kind of post hardcore side project for him when he was dealing with the death of his mother. I think the other guys in the band are from the band called basement that people seem to really like that. I've only like kind of lukewarm on, uh, but that fiddlehead is incredible. And, uh, they, they, their last record, um, what was it called? Lalo is the first song. Anyway, the, the last fiddlehead record was great. And I'm really looking forward to this mm-hmm. record. Um, and then I've been listening to, so listening to that, I know that there is a new, the new Bronx song that came out recently that, that came out last week which is cool. Um, but I, I, I would say the stuff that I'm listening to a lot these days, I kind of go in fits and starts, right? Like I put together a playlist of uh, my friends and I were kind of arguing about like, what is, what is canon? What is hardcore canon? So like, what are the canonical <laughs> okay. songs of, of hardcore? Because it started, we started talking about it. Speaking of weird things, was that outdoor, there was an outdoor hardcore show in New York city. And in a park yeah. and it was people were making jokes, but all these kind of meatheads giving each other COVID and, and Madball played. And, and then the guy, uh, JJ from, uh, from Chromax played and he had some really problematic things to say about, about COVID-19. <laughs> but the, the, the discussion started because Matt, the, one of the videos that was online was Madball playing set it off. And I made a comment in a group chat. I'm like, man, that song, it, it, it's insane. Like that is such a good song. Freddie Madball is like the king of the front man. He's aging in reverse. And I was like, that 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 set it off is like hardcore canon. Like that's a song for all eternity, right? Like Madball can show up in a wheelchair at, at this is hardcore twenty thirty five, and they'll play that, and the place will go nuts. And or yeah. some other band of like Freddie Madball's kid will will play in a band and cover set it off, and the place will go nuts. So then it started a conversation of like, what is canon? Right? What is hardcore canon? And it started, you know, 
okay, is it hardcore punk? Like, should it should it stop in like 1989? Does it include like this straight edge and youth crew and then metal influence? Anyway, the song the playlist is like 70 songs long <laughs> at this point. It's got okay. some it's got some admittedly terrible songs. And the other thing is, I I left I made this, this playlist open for um, like contributions, like hey, with my friends, and they start putting in these terrible songs. And then I'm removing them, and then we're like arguing about it in the group chat. And I'm like, look, I'm an egomaniac, and like I'm a t- I'm a I'm a tyrant. So you put that fucking voice that's fire song on here again. I'm gonna take I'm gonna keep taking. And he did it again. He put it on again. I'm looking at the playlist now, and there's another voice that's fire song on this stupid thing. Like voice that's fire is not canon. They're not. Right. They're not gonna. Right. They wouldn't if they played at this is hardcore 2021. Nobody's watching. So no. they're not canon. Madball canon. So anyway. Uh, that said, I listened to a lot of Gulch last year. Uh, oh, that Gulch record yes. was just blew my mind. I I just yeah. like it so much. And the Have video, you listened to their hmm? their split with Tsunami. Yeah, the split with Tsunami is good. This the yeah. Gulch songs uh, are are really cool. Tsunami's kind of funny. Like they they're I know they have a bit of a gimmicky vibe to me sometimes. Right. <laughs> but uh, I mean, not that Gulch doesn't have a gimmick, but uh, man, it's just so good. So I'm I, I'm hoping that they'll put out some new stuff. Um, I know that. Yeah. You know, Candy was another kind of newer hardcore band that um, mm-hmm. that put out an EP last year. Maybe was going to put out a record this year. God only knows what's up with that. And the other one that I'm really looking forward to is that One Step Closer um, record. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I love the last uh, One Step Closer record. I'm also a little worried. <laughs> I'm a little worried about the One Step Closer record because I because because they're trying new things, which is great, and I applaud right. that, and I want them to do the thing that they do and like go go try and do become the band that you want to be. But the, mm-hmm. the For Me To You EP, I loved. And the new one is kind of going away, maybe going away from that. And I'm like, oh boy, I don't know, boys, if I'm going to be along for this <laughs> ride. But uh, I'm excited to check it out either way. Yeah. Do you know where Wentz Up Closer is from? Because I know that they're kind of in the same... Are they they're, East Coast or West Coast? They're from Wilkes, Wilkes Barry, Wilkes Bar. I got, okay. I, I, you, you, yeah. can't, you, can, you can only say it wrong. You can't say that right. right. But right. Uh, they're from yeah. there. I always I always group them in with like I don't know why just like my stupid like brain with grouping bands together but I always group them in with like Fury and like Drain and kind of those like I think they're all California those are bands. all California like, bands yeah yeah so it's just like I don't know why but maybe it's like the the art or something but yeah yeah they're I really liked that their first record yeah it's so good and I was I was in, um. One of those things where I just hear it and then maybe it's on a, it shows up on like a Spotify mix or something like that. Like I, that's, I don't know what about mm-hmm. you. That's where I get a lot of music these days. If I'll check out a Spotify mix, listening, listening to the, um, the, what's it called? The, the Axe of Grind the- podcast. Those guys obviously expose mm-hmm. a ton of bands and maybe I just heard it there and I was like, oh, and, you know, you check it out and I play that record. I'm like, man, I really, really like this record. And then they played those Have Heart shows uh, in the summer, the uh, summer of 2019. And the response was great. Uh, and I was really excited to see that. I'm like, oh, this is good. These guys are really like doing it, you know. And and that's why you know there's so many bands like that. Even, even you know a band like Knock Loose, right? I listened to that Knock Loose record like mm-hmm. crazy in 2019. I, and it's not really my style. I'm not really into that ignorant like punch everybody in the face sort of thing. But I just really got into that. And then the, then then COVID hits, and I was like, man, these guys were you know they were really going to make a go of it. I think like this was going to be their job yeah. for the year. They were going to tour and tour and tour and tour and and like. And, you know, that's when they wrote this record and it was a big record and it was going to be huge for them. So there are so many bands like that, 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 you know, they never got to, to the point where they can kind of have some money and, and sit back and just wait 
and then go up, go back on tour again and, and maybe spend some money recording a new record. I felt like a band that that's the one band that in my small little world that I see as, as being really hurt, hurt by COVID in particular um, because of kind of the runway they were building for themselves because they were touring Australia and they were in whatever in Japan and stuff in the, in the mm-hmm. early parts of 2019. And then now God only knows what they're doing somewhere in Kentucky, hanging out, waiting to go back yeah. on tour. Yeah. Even like a band like that, I know they're like massive, massive, but kind of similar. Like they could have quit their job as like Jesus piece. Like they're like very like on that edge of like, they could have just been living it up and like doing festival circuits and everything and just like forever. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, because yeah, like in, in, I'm thinking about in where, where knock loose played in Toronto and they came in the fall of 2018, that 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are we doing for? Oh, God. No fall of 2019. Fall of 2019, they played in Toronto, they played mm-hmm. in the Phoenix. And I was like, that's a big room for a band like that. But that's right. still, they're on that cusp, right? Like, are they in a van? What Are they in a bus? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. are they in a van with a trailer? You know, and, and that's where you kind of start to think about, okay, well, that's where they might need to make that leap. So maybe they'll be like in a van with a trailer for another couple of years, banking some money. So then if they mm-hmm. make the next leap and they do like an every time I die sort of progression and they're playing whatever the 2022 version of Ozfest is, you know, playing those big festivals, opening for some huge band. But now they're kind of have a bit of a setback. And again, I think they were probably in that we're in a van with the trailer sort of thing, which, you know, they're eating Taco Bell on the road every day. They're not quite ready to <laughs> ready to, to make it a full-time go yet. Yeah, getting that gas station taquito or whatever. Um, <laughs> so kind of circling back, do you are you someone that like, listens to like once a band releases something or releases a record you're like listen to that day kind of thing or like let it breathe a little bit i definitely try to listen to to stuff right away um i i would be lying if i said that you know the spotify model got, you know curse it as i as we all should right. for what yeah. it does to these artists um it is a really good delivery tool for new bands um i feel um, lucky and and I made a, a mostly conscious choice. I was maybe less than ten years ago, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less than ten years ago, where I was like, it would be easy for me to just keep playing the same records that I liked when I was eighteen, nineteen, twenty. You know, when I had more time, when I was able to go to way more shows, and and now I'm not there. So that discovery phase could be over. So, but I didn't want it to be over because I was like, I just. I'm still enthusiastic about hearing new bands and about bands trying new things because then I've had some conversations with some friends about this, about like, you know, I'm old, right? Like I've been around for a long time, going to shows for a long time. I've seen bands and trends and things like that come and go. And the bands that are around today are so good. They're so good. They're able to draw from so many different influences. Things happen so much more quickly because of, because of the internet in a, in a good way, in a bad way. But the good way is that like, the whole world is at the, the kids' fingers, fingertips in a way that they can make a band that they like and they don't have to feel self-conscious about being a little bit different than the bands that are in their town or the bands that come through town. Like It's just a little bit more freeing. And also the barrier for technology, the barrier for entry is kind of lowered because of the technology. So kids can get on play, they can play remotely, they can put a bang a thing together and put it out on, on, on Bandcamp or whatever and then start to play shows and things. It's just been, it's kind of, it's the, the idea of the internet, I think is alive and well in these sort of DIY scenes and, and for the, for something that is as often insular and kind of, you know, navel gazing as hardcore and the things that sort of 
uh, spider web out from it. So, so, you know, I was like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to miss out. There's probably, there's still lots of good bands. There's still lots of good records coming out and I want to be part of that. And then being online and finding people, you know, I'd, it was, there was, I always joke about hardcore or baseball uh, cave in Twitter, where it was, where a bunch of people that would be online talking about, about baseball. And then you sort of figure out like, oh, you make a joke or someone makes a reference or someone says one thing and it's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, okay. You grew up in <laughs> Maine, but you listen, you listen to Converge and you, you know, you like cave in and this guy likes cave in and this guy likes cave in. And then we all kind of came together and it was like, oh my God, look at all this. There's like a whole little subculture of people who right. love baseball and also cave in. And it was just like, you know, but finding those people and then continuing to interact with them and connect with them. And the next thing you know is one guy's, somebody's is hyping up one band and someone else is introducing another band and everybody's like, oh, have you checked this out? And it's fun. It's fun to hear these new bands and hear new sounds or hear old sounds done new. And, and, uh, and I value it. I really do. I really, so the biggest thing for me is getting, is when you hear, because there's so much out there is to hear something and then integrate it into my kind of routine, but like have it stick. Cause there are lots of records that come out and I listen to it and I'm like, Oh, okay. That was pretty good. But will I go back to it? And that's, that's the differentiator. That's the differentiation for me is like, when, it, what is it that's going to make me come back to a band? And sometimes if, if I'm, if I'm working or doing something and it's on in the background, if I take note of it, I'm like, what is this I'm listening to? Cause it's really good. That's usually a pretty good indicator that I'm going to come back to something like that. And then it's like, Oh, if you share, if I share with some friends, be like, yo, this, this band was really cool. I, I, I heard this, this band and they sound like this and, we make, we joke about it. We listen. We're like, yeah, that was cool. Have you heard this? And then it's just about, again, really about integrating into a, if it's a, if that's a playlist or just into the routine, being, you know, I'm in the car, I'm at the work or I'm at work, I'm on the subway, whatever it might be. And I'm like, oh, I should, uh, I should listen to that record because it was really cool and, and it fits the vibe. And then, and then the next thing you know, it's just one of those things you play all the time. I think about that mm-hmm. cult leader record. The last cult leader record was just like that, where kind of like, is this, do I like this band? And I was like, yeah, I'd put it on, play it. And I'm like, played all the way through and the, yeah i do i like this band and then next thing you know i'm listening to that record like all year long right yeah is or do you find like you can listen to that like especially listen to primarily hardcore and stuff like can you listen to that stuff in the background like if you're writing if you're kind of working is it like kind of different music for different tasks or is it like just anything anytime I'm I'm usually anything anytime. I'll right. I'll try to convince myself that I I'll listen need to listen to certain things at certain times. Um, where again, there there are a few things that are very setting or context dependent. Um, things that I'm really things I find to be popular, things that I'm more likely to want to sing along to. I'll kind of generally save those things for like the car. You know what I mean? Or or times where I can kind of like let it let loose and kind of like get into it and sing along. <laughs> And, and that's why it's, sometimes it's harder to, to get newer stuff into that, um, into that, uh, mm-hmm. where if I'm, especially when I wasn't driving, when I, cause I, I for years and years and years, I just took the, the subway, the streetcar and, or the bus. And even so that's a bit more of like an enclosed experience where if you're in the bus or you're shoulder to shoulder and you want to like start pumping your fist and yelling out. But, uh, sometimes, you know, one of my favorite bands of all time is uh, Russian circles. And I'll always tell myself that's really good working music, and I'll put it on to work. Um, but any anything I can usually listen to when I'm working. Um, and and then again, sometimes it's there's a, a mark of quality. It maybe it depends on the on the context where if I can just play it and work and not notice it, that can be good. 
Uh, and if sometimes if I'm if I'm in that mode, but something is so good, it takes me out of it. That is another good sign as well. Yeah, like uh, touching on like kind of you giving chances to uh, like other like new albums too. Like I find sometimes when I'm discovering a new artist or like, okay, I kind of have to give this artist my like attention kind of thing. Like, do they deserve like it's uh, that's the thing about this whole like the streaming and kind of Spotify model is like because there's so much out there that you kind of have to tell yourself, am I giving this artist enough attention right now? Am I like, am I judging them on this like one song? And then like, I really don't like it. Like whatever their most played song is on Spotify. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't particularly like that, but then I might like their album. Like I, it's just kind of, because there's so much, is it there? Like, are you able to give enough attention and like the time that they kind of deserve is the kind of, catch 22 with it right and i feel like there's that weird pressure sometimes that we that it doesn't exist it's not real but you put it on yourself to give something run if you know that you do or should like it uh (laughs) where i'm like i like this band i love the last record i'm gonna put it on and then i'm like okay i i'm gonna you, you make a conscious effort like i need to listen to this because i haven't enough because I'm not, I don't, I'm not compelled to listen to it, but that maybe that's, that's a my, that's a me thing. That's not a, this record thing. So sometimes I'll kind of force feed myself something. If it's, excuse me, again, a band that I really, really like, or, or, or the next uh, entry from a band whose previous record I really liked, or sometimes it's the, the other way too, actually. And a good example of that is for me was, you know, I, I really like the again, going back to the Spotify thing, the end of the year, you know, what were the songs I listened to the most this year? And I look at my list and I'm like, okay, I get that. Yeah, of course. One step closer, anxious, knock, knock loose, kind of a lot of the usual, some older songs, saves a day showing up there. There's always going to be a one lag wagon song on that list. And then I saw the, there was a bunch of songs from the Phoebe Bridgers record from Punisher. And I was like, I listened to that record a bunch. I listened to all the songs, you know, as that were pre-released. And I was like, I don't know that it necessarily made that much of an impression on me because I started thinking about, oh, if I was going to make a list of like my favorite records of the year, would it be on there? So whenever that was like early in December that that list came out and I was like, huh, look at all those Phoebe Bridger songs on there. Maybe I should listen to it again. I obviously liked it when I when it first came out. And then I for like two months listened to it nonstop. I was like, oh yeah, this is brilliant. I love this. I don't know what I was thinking, you know, in, in the, because sometimes, sometimes again, it, for me, there's some stuff that isn't summertime music. I'm not going to, you know, yeah. Phoebe Bridgers maybe isn't exactly a summertime rocker for me. I may be into something a bit more fun or upbeat. And then the weather gets shitty. I'm like, yeah, let's go bring the pain, Phoebe Bridgers. But, uh, but, but it, it's amazing. The, the, the different kind of, uh, the different external forces that can kind of push you and push your listening habits into different places. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's just a, a weird time. Um, I guess this is more a di- direct question, but did you ever like play in bands or anything growing up kind of in that scene or kind yeah, of in that area? I did. I played in a, I played in a band um, for, how long? we were a band for maybe a year or so. We played like 10 or 11 shows, mostly like local mm-hmm. shows. So my some of my best friends in this world to this day were in a, a, a hardcore band called Notoriety, and they were we, so I live I grew up in Newmarket just north of Toronto, mm-hmm. and they were from Bradford, which is just north of Newmarket, and it was one of those things where you know one guy's older brother gets into records, and then and then the, the younger guy does, and we we had, <laughs> the funny the the way I met these guys, 
again, who are, who, who almost uh, half that band are still like my best friends to this day. And we message every single day and like group chats and stuff. I met three of them because I worked in the mall at Baskin Robbins and they were in the mall and they were wearing like band t-shirts and I, and they came because we had kind of, I was like, we were like, I guess we were eyeing each other up or something. And I was like, asked them about some show. There was an old punk band from uh, Orangeville actually called Maryland's Vitamins. And they were on a, a punk rock label called Ryan Energy Records back in the day. And they were playing in Newmarket where I lived. And I was like, do you guys know where the uh, Maryland's Vitamins show is? And they were like, yeah, it's at this place. The place is called Gravity's Rainbow in downtown Newmarket. <laughs> So that was like how we kind of broke the ice. And then we just would talk. We'd talk at shows and then we started hanging out. And then they played in a band and their their band um, started to play more and more, more shows and kind of, you know, never, they were, they were, they didn't even really tour. They would do weekends, but like nothing, never really far, but shows in Toronto, shows in small places around. Um, but, but they got a good following even in like Bradford and Newmarket in the kind of 905, Northern 905 area. And it was a lot of fun. So then, they they started even influencing kids because there were some kids that I went to high school with that were a bit younger than me and they started a band and I was like, oh, they were looking for a singer and I was like, let me do it. So then I tried out and then we played in the band for a year and we ripped off well, lots of good, lots of better bands and had a lot of fun uh, and it was great. There's nothing quite like it. I really, uh, I every so often I'm like, I'm going to play in an old man band, but uh, not yet. <laughs> just the, the dad rock version of hardcore. Exactly. Just the mad ball, just... Tone down Madball. Playing Madball and Strife songs in the basement at like three quarter speed because you can't, uh, whoever the drummer is, can't do the double kick anymore. It's too yeah. much. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, anyways, let's move on to the album, uh, kind of why you're here as well. Again, the second reason why you're here. Um, if you could tell the audience what album you picked uh, to talk about. So given our the first part of our conversation, I think this is a really appropriate pick because my record is, is painted shut by hop along, which is a record that I, I had no clue of this band and it just sort of like landed in my lap sort of thing via a lot of these. I don't even remember if it was through a Spotify discovery weekly playlist or a friend recommended it to me. And I just sort of went in with no preconceived notions of what this band was and just heard, I don't even know which song it was I heard first. And I just absolutely fell in love with this record and I've played it to death a thousand times. I couldn't even tell you, probably downloaded and paid for it three different times on Bandcamp. Like just, I just love it. And it's just such an amazing record that I love front to back. Uh, and they're just such a great band and I'm so uh, excited to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's honestly, and I told you as soon as you mentioned, I was like, this is one of my favorite records, so it's perfect. Like, it's, and again, kind of talking about what we already talked about with even hardcore bands and like every, in that kind of taste of genre. Um, I feel like Hop Along might be like the indie band for hardcore kids, like, if that makes any sense, like, kind of the energy that they provide, like, especially on this album. Like, I don't know if that makes any sense, but no, like, it- it makes 100% like perfect sense because, and I have the, like, I have a pet theory, almost like a bit that I do where, where like when hardcore kids go to do other stuff, they're always, they always remain hardcore kids and it always comes off them. Like there's a stink that comes off of them and there's an aesthetic and there's just something about them that immediately will like then resonate. I find with like other hardcore kids, it's like a little like silent alarm that goes off and then you just like see it. And and I and I think Hopalong has that. Julian Baker is like one hundred percent that. 
because Julian Baker is an old hardcore kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like a band like Gate Creeper, which again is like a really deathy band that I yeah. don't listen to anything like that. But it's like you hear it and you're like, wait a minute, they got it. They've they have they have it's in there. It's in the DNA. And then you, I hear it and I'm 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 attracted to it, and it and I can't get away from it. And I think that I I don't know if that if that exists within any of the members of Hopalong. If you told me um, that uh, that any of the members of the band, maybe even like the the guitar, the, the kind of lead guitar dude uh, uh, whose name uh, mark i think is his name he, i don't know maybe mark is a drummer um if you told me any little one of those the the key the main songwriters that weren't francis quinlan was a was a hardcore kid i would believe you 100 percent. yeah it's exactly like it's just it just fits that whole kind of especially their vocals and just with everything coming come across um to kind of start off the conversation do you remember like besides just how you discovered it, like what you're thinking through that first listen so yeah yes and it's it's i remember thinking so because i have friends lots of because of being in like baseball twitter i have lots of uh, friends who are american and who listen to different music than i listen to even though our you know there is obviously some overlap so there are a lot of um people that i uh know well from online and even have met in real life who are into a lot more like americana almost kind of like country stuff sometimes where I have a friend who will put something on, I'm like, I'll listen. And I, that stuff, you know, not on my radar, even like a Jason Isbell or a band like Shovels and Rope, for example, where I'll put it on as like a lark every so often. I'm like, hey, hey listen, this is a slide guitar. We're living in Memphis now. Uh, and I was convinced that this was that. I, I think I heard a song and I was like, this is country music, like country music for cool kids sort of thing. Country music for like, uh, for aging hipsters. And, and then I, uh, there's a, a woman I work with who was like asking something about country. And I was like, you should check out this band Hopalong. They're like a country band. <laughs> and then, and then she put it on, she was like, what? This is not country. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then, and then I, I, I just kept listening to it being like, ah, oh, maybe I, I must, I must've been wrong. I misread this, but that was almost my, and cause it was on Saddle Creek, I guess. So it's got saddle in the name. So I'm like, saddles are on horses and horses are country music. So my initial reaction was like, this is some kind of, in this in like a bit of an americana which is so wrong like i couldn't be wronger or dumber but that's just where i kind of got to and then i obviously spent more time with it and it came to appreciate it for a million different things um mostly that it is not an americana record (laughs) yeah it's just like it's just a great it's just a great record even if it's not americana it's just it just fits it's just um kind of that different attitude and is there any like thing that you grabbed onto like right away like just stylistically well so and i think that this might speak to the 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 kind of indie rock band for hardcore kids is that the vocals are um in a way challenging um which is if you Mm. listen to a lot of screamy yelly heavy grunty bands you're used to that you know the the in, in some ways the vocals are almost more like a percussive instrument than they are something that is leading the melody so Francis Quinlan's vocals are very unusual and maybe unorthodox. Sometimes when you see them play, it looks like their head is going to explode, clean off their shoulders, uh, and but it just works. And the songwriting, uh, the bands are uh, again the songs are really well done. But I think that that the vocals at first were were odd and and kind of squeaky and pitchy and and uh, not pitchy but you know just sort of really unusual but in a way that that mixed and melded so well with the with the songs that 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 sort of 
while that might be a barrier for entry for some people, like I, I'll say specifically, like my wife hates hates Hop Along. She cannot have me play it. <laughs> she's not into much of the same kind of music or any of the same kind of music right. that I am. But I'll put it on. She's just, nope, this is not going to fly in the car with the kids here. Um, even though it's, it's not like it's weird or offensive or anything. It's just she just doesn't like it. But for me, it, it just worked. And then again, the more you listen to the songs and you also realize how there is that sing-along ability. There's some of the songs are so catchy, but also kind of doing a lot of really great storytelling and, and, and the, the music is, is propulsive enough that, you know, it's, it's not like they're not doing the dance beat on the hi-hat, which is usually a, t- which is a turnoff for me. So it just kind of worked. And, and, but I think the vocals were definitely the thing that kind of like got my attention early on. Yeah. And it's almost like the songs written around their vocals too. Like, it's just kind of, the like you said like the pitch and like the pitch and valleys of like the growl sometimes or like the like raspiness of of uh some of those high notes or anything it's just like it kind of fits just the kind of style perfectly um and kind of what the song is really talking about um especially like even lyrically like their their lyrics can be a lot and like kind of very um very intimate sometimes or very like kind of reflective um at times like powerful man off this record that i was thinking about Mm -hmm. immediately is um it's catchy but then it's also talking about like the lyrics are talking about i believe it's their father that they witnessed their father abusing another kid Mm -hmm. and it's kind of very like this almost poppy beat like and upbeat vocals like even like the melody is kind of there and it's kind of a happier melody compared to other songs but it's still like this kind of touchy subject like do you have any kind of on a relation to that i guess but yeah no i i think that uh, that can be a, the mark of of great music uh in a lot of ways right. in that it is able to take uh, allow uh the artist the songwriter however you want to refer to them um, it, an outlet for for trauma, for for difficult feelings, for mm-hmm. things that they experience that that aren't there's no other place to kind of put them, but you can do it in a way that's almost transformative and allow that hopefully allow that the 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 vocalist, the songwriter, whoever it is, to kind of um, reclaim it and make it their own. And while they're singing about something that was incredibly painful or incredibly, uh, you know, trying something that they is, is singed in, into whoever it is. In this case, we're talking about, uh, about hop along, but then they can make it into something that is catchy and singing and in the kind of, and this like bouncy song and they play it in front mm-hmm. of people and everybody is singing and, and, and having the time of their life and rocking and bopping along and, and just singing every word. It, it kind of, gives it a different set, sort of power. It gives it a, little, a bit of a different set of, of significance when, when, when anyone is able to kind of convert and, and, and flip a moment like that on its head. And, and I think that, you know, powerful man is a great example again with that really heavy, um, heavy uh, subject matter, but is done in, in like a really fun and, and, and memorable way. And, and there are so many horseshoe crabs is a song that I really, really like. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Waitress is a huge, is a huge song. And again, just, you know, memorable lyrics that that can also allow the listener to sort of like gra- graft their own feelings onto it, which is I think another mark of a good of a good songwriter, where where you can step back a little bit and let the song sort of be the scaffolding where other people can hang their emotions and hang their own experiences. And I think that there's a lot of that in 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 some of the songs, especially in the second half of uh, of this record in particular. Yeah, and other than those couple of tracks, do you have like a 
favorite particular track that you really kind of attached to? Oh, you put me on the spot now. Sorry. <laughs> I should have known. <laughs> it's it is kind of like a default like, oh, what's your favorite song? <laughs> I would say that my favorite song on um on this record is oh, Well Dressed. Oh no, is it? I don't know. Uh I would say it's one <sighs> Okay, I'll say this. My least favorite song on the record is The Knock. That's the one I like the least and I'm the most likely to skip. It's not that I don't like it, but I feel like when it really, you know, Buddy in the Parade, Horseshoe Crabs, Waitress, all in a row, I love all of those songs. And then the same on the second half where it's like uh, Texas Funeral, Powerful Man, and then then, uh, Well Dressed. Well Dressed is like a really good, I think Well Dressed would be a, if I had to resequence this record for them, I don't know if they are asking for anyone to do that, but well dressed would be a good like finale where, you know, sister cities is a great song and it's, it's a lot more fun and it's, it's got a really good vibe and it's like a good last song to play at the show. Um, But, um, but well dressed is a really good cause it's, do you talk about the vocal performance and just that scratchy raspy hitting notes that, that I'm sure that I sound like an absolute tool when i'm driving and i'm in my car and i'm trying on as hard as i can to get to the notes that francis quinlan gets to and i cannot but um yeah so i didn't really answer your question but uh maybe waitress <laughs> no it's fine i really like waitress. It, it is it is kind of one of those albums that you just put on and like mm-hmm. it kind of just works from front to back and even like even speaking for the terror like the reorder and kind of the order in general i think the knock it's like a very good opener like that very like clean like 8 45 a.m like just kind Mm -hmm. of that immediate hit and not like kind of not messing around with any like intro like if you're listening to it for for the first time you're like okay scroll scroll like maybe if you're not a patient person to kind of experience a new band or anything like you're scrubbing through and just trying to get a sense of this band but Mm -hmm. they kind of just hit it right away and kind of that's their sound and that's that and not particularly like it doesn't play a lot to the the song itself, but I just, I think it's like a very good opener. Really. I agree. And there's another line in this, in this song that again, I, I've, I've spoken about that, um, that moment where you, uh, you kind of sit up and take notice uh, of, of, of something. If it's a song, if it's a hook, if it's whatever. And, and the listening to this record, I don't know if it was the first or second or third or 10th time, but when, uh, there's a line in Horseshoe Crabs uh, where they say, staring at the ass crack of dawn. And that was the one when yes. I was like, okay, all right, you got me. Okay, I'm in. I'm you, I'm, I'm on board with this. This is fun. And that's a really clever turn of phrase. So uh, yeah. you got me. And, and then I've uh, not looked back. And, and, and I, as you know, again, I, I, I've seen this band a few times um, and it's always great. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I see them in the same venue. I, I was lucky when they were touring the record after this one, bark, bark your head off dog. They played in Toronto the same night as, as gate creeper played another show, but they were like two blocks apart. So I was able to go to both shows in the same night, like ran as soon as gate creeper was done and ran down queen street to go and, and see hop along. And I was so happy to have done so uh, because they put on a great show and, um, and, uh, and, and the crowd was great and everybody was having a really good time. And uh, that Bark Your Head Off Dog was, record was one that, again, that was one that I, maybe maybe medicine isn't the right word, but I definitely like was like, nope, put it on, put it on, put it on, spend some time with it, spend some time with it. You owe them. You owe them this. You've listened <laughs> to Painted Shed so many times, give the new record a fair shake. And I listen to it a ton and I really like it, but this is always going to be the one that I come back to. 
Right. So you would say Pain and Shot is your favorite album out of the kind of four-ish plus the EPs or? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pain and Shot is like on the short list of, again, well, this is why we're talking about it. It's among my favorite <laughs> sure. records of all time that I've ever heard. And I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. old, right? I'm too old to be revising my favorite records list. It should be, you know, it should have just stopped when I heard Lag Wagon's trashed and then, you know, not ever changed. But but uh, it's it, I love this record so much. Uh, I do, again, so because I, I hadn't heard anything about this band, even the big song right like tibetan pop stars i'd never heard in my life and Mm -hmm. so then i when i started listening to painted shut and then obviously i'm starting to become more aware of of the get disowned record and i listened to it a lot and i have have come to like it quite a bit as well and obviously tibetan pop stars is like an enormous like tremendous unkillable monster of a song that is uh way too much fun to sing along to and just have a great time with uh, that has so many like that is a song that ev- like elicits uh, uh, like a strong response from me every time I heard I hear it I've heard it so many times but the but the end like the kind of post course the the reason I haven't written back is because I've been doing uh, big shit on is that the line uh, yeah and then then that goes into the my love is average thing every single time I'm like whoo whoo. This is a song. Holy shit. Every single time. Uh, but I still like Hoppel. I still like Painted Shot better. Yeah. It's, I don't know if it's just their style, like their, again, talking about their vocal songs and everything, but like, I'm not a big, like, lyric rememberer. Mm. And just like, again, like, maybe it's just something that the way it is, but like, their choruses just like stick with me mm. and just like, it's very memorable. And maybe it's because like, it's attached to more melody and more like texture. So you're able to grab onto other things and be like, Oh, that word is like how they sing that word that way. So then I can remember it more, but like, it's just the, like, I don't know if you find the same way. If you're like generally do remember the lyrics from a lot of stuff that you listen to, but just like, I feel like hop along. It's so singable, but then also like memorable and just rememberable as well. I think that, songs like Tibetan pop stars are a great example Mm -hmm. of you remember the lyrics because of the way that they're delivered and the way that that lyric delivery and like the night, the dynamic delivery mixes so well with the way that the song builds and like Chris and like builds up to that huge payoff at the end, at the end of that, um, uh, at the end of that, like outro or whatever, that, that piece of the song, like it just pays off phenomenally such that Mm -hmm. those lyrics stick in your head or my head because i just want to like listen to that song again and hear that hear that hear that part and and just like relive that experience because it it it, it like just provokes again as i said like a significant physical and emotional reaction because it just all works together so much so for me that's why the lyrics might even though i butchered them um uh the reason I haven't written back is because I'm doing all that bad shit I was, or is the actual lyric. But it just, it sticks with you enough that you just want to be there in that song and, and, and sing that line over and over if you're me. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just something so memorable. And I found, did you, so did you check out Francis's solo stuff from this past year? I did. I did a, I, a little bit. I, I would, I would be lying if I said I, I spent a ton of time with it. 
there was the first uh, single that came out, I, I guess, and I, again, the name escapes me. And I was like, ah, it's pretty good. You know, a little bit different. You can hear, I think, mm-hmm. a little bit of of where they wanted to go with some of this stuff in some of the songs on, excuse me, on Bark Your Head Off Dog. There's the one song with like the, what do they call it, the vocoder, like the auto, auto-tune bit um, in one of the songs in the first couple, the second song, I think, uh, of um, on, uh, on Bark Your Head Off Dog. We're like, oh, that's fun. Like you're trying, you're trying some things out here, and then so, uh, oh, I think it's in How I Got Your Limp. That's what it, that's the one. But but it's like okay, you want to experiment a little bit and just do a different do a different kind of not the guitar based thing that they've always done, which which I get. Um, it just never really connected with me like like the other stuff did. Again, I I I listened. I tried to listen to a, a, a lot of different kind of music. I was disappointed because one of your pr- uh, previous guests, whose name I've forgotten, uh, did Frank Ocean. I'm on this like oh, huge yes. Frank Ocean thing right now. I just can't stop. <laughs> I realized that I saw that that Nostalgia Ultra came out uh, ten years ago, and mm. ten years ago when I downloaded that, it felt like I was stealing because it was free, right? Like, he just gave that <laughs> that demo away. It was that demo and that first like weekend thing came out, and I was like, I "Guess I like R&B." Uh, <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah, but at the yeah, same yeah. time, stuff that is really like um, guitar based is is where I de- tend to return. So that's what maybe draws me to the hop along stuff more so than uh francis Quillen's solo stuff yeah it wasn't again i kind of found myself in the same situation it wasn't very memorable and i i think i gave it probably like a handful of listens in the first week it was released um i think it was early 2020 i don't even know if it's pre-pandemic but um Mm -hmm. yeah um but just like yeah it was very like it kind of surprised me with a little bit of stuff, but then at the same time, like you said, it's kind of like, oh, this is, you kind of see where they haven't made a record in however years, and then this comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, um, do you have any final thoughts on Pain and Shut that you kind of want to get to? No, I just, I hope that <laughs> that um, if you are a person who knows Tibetan pop stars uh, as, a, as a song, that's like their biggest song. It's got like 9 million mm-hmm. plays on Spotify. Um, and you haven't necessarily checked out the, the the later records, I think that you might be pleasantly surprised. Uh, they're not the same song, um, not the same not the same band even. I believe that the um, they they had a bit of a lineup change where they added a second guitar, um, and the guy who plays the guitar that's not you know that's more of the um, the uh, the lead guitar. The, and again, getting back to that like hardcore guy, when I saw them, the, the this guitar player, he reminded me of Kurt Ballou from Converge. I was like, that's who that is. He's like the indie rock version of Kurt Ballou because he's tall and kind of had plays in yeah, the same sort yeah. of way. Um, he's not the same guy. But uh, so if, if if you like that, if you haven't listened to much Hop Along other than especially the one song, I really think you should spend some time with Painted Chuck because I really, really like it. It's really just a, a really great straight ahead kind of rock record that has again the vocals could if you if you're not inclined it could be a little challenging um but if you get past it and get into all of the 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 stuff that that you and i've already talked about i think that you might find it to be a great record that uh will enrich your life Mm -hmm. yeah and like i've touched on the i forget what episode it might have been it might have been when i talked about um jeff rosenstock Mm -hmm. with uh jackson mcdonald but it was like we kind of touched on, we had a little segment of like just listing off bands that like maybe it was their vocals, maybe it was like a guitar effect or whatever, but it was like very like 
sharp and like oh like what jarring mm-hmm. is the right word i guess um right away but you kind of have to get used to it. like one of my favorite bands kind of when i was listening to like trying to just explore different stuff in high school was girls so it was like that kind of like their vocal sound is like okay that's weird and out there just like how it sounds but then you kind of just get used to it um and again like maybe it's listening to hardcore so you're just like used to whatever but um yeah it's just one of those bands that you, it just deserves um another look really. i think it's healthy it's healthy to come back to stuff and and sometimes um reevaluate what it is that you maybe turned you off in the first time and maybe in a different mm-hmm. place in your in your life you might like it more uh, an example that i'll give is that actually a recent one is that foxing record the near my god so i didn't know anything about foxing and then right. that record was like on everybody's best of the list from what is that 2018 or something and i was like uh, sure doesn't really do anything for me and then within the last like three months i've played that record out i'm not, like streamed it but like <laughs> over and over and over and i'm like oh yeah. my gosh this is so good i really like it and bring it full cir- for full circle that was the thing where one when my my wife Catherine, who I mentioned earlier, she was like, "Well, what was that we were listening to? I really like that," which is never happened. So I was like, "All right, Foxing, you're in. Foxing, you're in. You're in the game. You're on the you're on the you're bench. On the you're in the rotation." <laughs> That's perfect. Um, awesome. Anyways, let's speaking of, I guess, shouting out bands and um, crediting them with uh, life changing events. Um, let's move on to the next segment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Drew, could you? Give a little recommendation, not necessarily just wrap it up with a little, a book, a movie, uh, even another podcast um, article that you kind of want to plug, um, but just anything that you're kind of checking out. I will do that. I will say, so <laughs> I ordered a book recently, so I don't know about you, but I have reverted mm-hmm. to my worst self here in the pandemic um, I have been working more than I ever have in my entire life. And instead of doing the right thing, which is unplugging, getting away from screens and reading and stuff, I've done the opposite. I haven't been reading at all, <laughs> but I ordered a book because by, uh, the author's name is Brian Alexander. Uh, and his newest book is called the hospital. And it's all about, um, the American healthcare, the American health crisis, all the sort of, you know, the for-profit, you know, the, the, it's about the struggles of a small town hospital. So I haven't read this yet, so I can't give okay. it my recommendation. But what I can do is give Brian Alexander's previous book called Glasshouse my most vigorous uh, recommendation that I can. Glasshouse is a tremendous book about, uh, it's called Glasshouse, the 1% economy and shattering of the all-American town. And it's about um, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and how the changes to the way that the local um, like glass factory uh, was, you know, the, how mm-hmm. it went from being a small, like a local business that was a successful business, but major employer, and how the folks who worked in the office and the folks that, folks that worked in the blast furnace would kind of, they cross paths and their, their incomes were, were relatively close, you know, one might live on one side of town and one might live on the other side of town, but they all lived in town and it was Lancaster, Pennsylvania was the all American town. And then as you know, this, the changes in the way that um, of venture capital and the ability for, for kind of these big groups to come in and, and buy, um, buy companies, strip them for parts, sell off everything that, that wasn't nailed to the floor, except for the one kind of profit center and the, and the way that the, um, 
what's the word? Uh, like uh, executive pay went through the roof and just all this other stuff and how it, the, the direct impact on the, not only the factory, the people that worked there, the, the weakening of the union, and then how, how, what the impact that had on that town of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It is a tremendous, tremendous book and really, really worth reading. Um, and just to, to have a better under, uh, have a different understanding of, of what that looks like. It, it doesn't, it's not overly sympathetic. Like, you know, there are good guys and bad guys, but, but it's not so, so cut and dry. You know, the, some of the, the folks, especially in the, the kind of political climate of the last few years, the, they're not sympathetic necessarily in some ways, some of the, 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 the folks who, who might have might be working in that town or have holding jobs and holding resentments and all this sort of stuff. Um, but just really, really, really a tremendous, a tremendous book. And, and, and I got a lot out of it and it was very affecting and I, and I've taken it uh, with me for a long time. So as I try to put my head down and read the hospital, I think if you haven't, you can go and read glass house cause it's tremendous. Well, yeah, I, I, I've been looking for a good read anyways. That's kind of, I'm in the same boat where like, I really need to unplug after this hellish year. Um, just stay off my phone. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a book to check out. Um, well, thanks for coming on the show, Drew. Um, where can people find you and your stuff? So you can subscribe to spin, right? If you like the blue Jays and you want to hear, uh, me talk about the blue jays i co-host spin right with caitlin mcgrath who covers the blue jays for the athletic uh so you can subscribe to that podcast anywhere you want uh anywhere they make podcasts wherever you get listening to this one if you haven't checked out spin right you can do it there you don't need to be a subscriber to the athletic to um to subscribe to the podcast it's free for everyone so you can do that um and uh you can subscribe to if you're really really interested in reading about vladimir guerrero jr you can read a newsletter about one single baseball player which is uh, which was a daunting task when I set it up. Now almost well two full years ago, um, and it's 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 easier to write when he's good. Sometimes it can be hard when he's bad. It's also hard to write when uh, it's just something I do kind of for, just for fun. Audience, big audience of one vibes coming off this thing. But uh, if you want to read about Vlad, you can subscribe at uh, Fair Service. My last name that's dot uh, substack dot com, and follow me on Twitter at Drew Groff G R O F. Perfect. Um, you can follow the podcast at big underscore shiny underscore goons, and you can follow me at no salary retained. Uh, please rate and review and follow and like subscribe and all those uh, good buttons that you can press um, on the podcast apps that you use. Um, and once again, thank you so much Drew, for coming on. Thank you for having me. I had a great time.